0: Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where our goal is to help you find health and community through movement. I'm Molly Herford, a writer, coach, and yoga teacher.
1: And I'm Peter Glassford, an endurance coach and kinesiologist. Every week, we're talking to athletes and experts who can help you lead your best active, adventurous life.
0: Whether you're a gravel racer, a marathon runner, or you just got out on your first bike ride yesterday, we're here cheering you on.
1: You can also visit us online at consummateathlete.com for coaching information and training tips, nutrition advice, yoga flows, bike skills, and more.
0: And now, let's get into this week's episode hello hello. welcome back to the consummate athlete podcast peter how's it going
1: it's going well i've mountain biked several days in the row and missing it's the weekend of it's memorial day weekend i think in the u.s right now so it is transylvania epic uh, as a race we've done in the past and I, I don't know i'm missing being down at stage races
0: i feel like everyone i know is at tse oh, no someone asked
1: me if i knew anyone i said i remembered a few names but uh
0: No, I'm definitely having a bit of TSE FOMO.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where we're living in, but I'm glad someone's doing it. This is good. This is good signs. Good signs. So, I mean, I was out. I rode with a friend, which is also novel for us here in Canada uh, right now. This is as we reopen. So that was really good. We were out riding and and trying to find some new things and put some new trails together in different ways and just talking about the, the state of the world and life and growing old and so forth.
0: DW and I just sat on the beach and looked out at the water and also had deep thoughts about life.
1: Right. Right. Okay. Well, it's been good. We you know we're, we're coming closer, I think, to a time where we can be, we'll reannounce sort of clinic dates and uh, session dates and stuff for those who are interested. And then I've gotten a few emails just when we might release that. And we're sort of still holding cards close uh, with our reopening here in Ontario, but we're, we're getting closer um so that's that's news we've had a few posts up on the site this past week we had the yard work one which we did a whole podcast sort of around that in our q a last week uh so if you haven't checked out that does yard work count as training post you did one on support crew
0: yeah so this is actually a, a chunk out of our book and i you know it's one of the ones that's more and more important uh you know as we get kind of into it to race season so it's not talking about support crew like who's out there like in your like race, in the race across
1: America you're doing not uh, so much that like where you're picking your race crew
0: no we're talking like your your club your team but also you know your your partner your kids your boss like pretty much the way I look at it is like everyone in your life is either, you know, supportive or, or not supportive. I was just saying, I don't really feel like there's a lot of neutral ground. You're usually like someone is like leaning one way or the other. Um, and you know, it's, it's important to to be surrounded by supportive people. And you know, a lot of the time it just takes a conversation, right? Like, you know, I know a lot of parents out there have kids who love watching them race and like, you know, love cheering on their parents and, you know, get, get into it, get into the kitty races, all that kind of stuff. um and you know i know there's also parents whose kids maybe aren't as psyched on it because they don't really necessarily understand like what racing means to their parents uh you know there's there's spouses that are super supportive but then flip side there are spouses who you know maybe aren't as supportive or maybe would be more supportive if you actually like sat down and really talked through like training schedule racing schedule like what, maybe. Your, what, what your real what you goals need. are. Well, and
1: just specifically what you need, maybe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of the time we don't ask for what we need. Actually, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had on paracyclist Keely Shaw and she, she made the good point. Like a lot of the time, you know, your boss at work or your colleagues or whatever are totally fine with, you know, an extended lunch break. If you need to get in a run and like clean up and eat lunch. If you've asked for it, you know, obviously maybe you have to stay late or go in a bit earlier to make that happen. But like, most people are like totally willing to support you if you've asked for what it is that you need but it's really easy to kind of get into this thing of like ah no one's supporting me and then you realize well you haven't actually like said what it is that you need in order to be supported
1: yeah and maybe we're at a good time for that too because in the past i know you know some people have tried it and like taken that nervous conversation but in other people you know it just the this workplace doesn't change from nine to five and they don't do work from homes and they don't do extended lunches and that's just the nature of it but I, i feel like maybe there's some of these businesses are coming to terms with you know coming back to the office this Mm -hmm. past week i saw a lot of like how many days do you want to go back to the office posts um, and memes and such so maybe it's a good time for that to renegotiate and express these these needs
0: yeah exactly so it's just kind of an interesting interesting thing to think about is like just looking at everyone in your life from the lens of you as an athlete. And, you know, it's, I, I say like, it's not that you have to have every friend needs to be a fellow runner or fellow cyclist. It's actually super important to have friends who aren't in that, uh, that group, I feel like. Okay. Um, but yeah, anyway, check that out. That's over at consummateathlete.com. Um, yeah. And then of course, uh, this episode is brought to you by Inside Tracker, uh, which is a fitness DNA and blood marker tracking situation. Actually, I'm super excited up here in Canada, you can get mobile blood draw when you when you order their test kit, which means like no muss, no fuss. Like you're sitting at home, you're doing your normal day's work, you get the knock on the door, boom, they take your blood, they leave. It's like a vampire on wheels. I don't know. Uh, And then, you know, you get back this lovely, like customized sheet of, you know, where all your markers are sitting and, you know, what you can do sort of holistically to, to yeah mix. and
1: they provide some recommendations right around um you know what you can do with nutrition or lifestyle type stuff to if, if something is out of uh, which i really appreciate the normal right yeah. out, of, out of what is the word the range the yeah out of your range
0: and i really like uh, on their thing it's super easy to understand your actual results it shows you sort of you know your your sliding scale of like low medium high like and where you sit and so it's not like boom, you're like, you don't just get like, you're low, it shows you sort of where you are on your, your red light to green light situation. Right. Um, and I do like that. It's, it's all holistic recommendations. It's not like take XYZ supplement, take XYZ supplement, take X, which is how I feel sometimes going to either like doctor or even naturopath, to be honest. Mm. Um, so I, I really appreciate that. It's not a supplement driven set of recommendations because I really hate that. Right. Not that I dislike supplements, just like I don't like when it's like, here's 800 things to take. It's the answer
1: to everything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so definitely check that out. You can get 25% off everything in their store at tracker.com slash consummate. Uh, and you can get that link just over in the show notes at consummateathlete.com. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about today's episode. So some people might remember Hillary Spires from a trail running episode we did back in the fall talking all things FKTs and running with friends. Uh, So on the note of your support crew, uh, we were talking about how to sort of survive like 50 miles, 100 K, whatever, like running with someone else, uh, which I think is personally like significantly harder than running by yourself in a lot of ways. Like it's awesome in so many ways, but it's also a whole other set of like mental and physical obstacles. Right. Uh,
1: Yeah. You have to, you know, monitor both, both parties. Right. And everyone's going to be, you know, having bad moments at different times.
0: Yes. And Hillary runs the trail running women podcast. I've been on a couple of times. I was just on talking about our book, becoming a consummate athlete earlier this year. Uh, And then Hillary and I, after doing that episode, we were like, we have got to do an episode. That's like not trail running one Oh one, but trail running. Like here's our best advice. So whether you're a new runner, you've been running for a while, here's just sort of years of experience between the two of us, just talking about what we wish we'd known when we started and you know even heck what i wish i knew last year Uh, so it's a really fun episode i'm so stoked on this one
1: yeah that'll be good a lot of people trying out trail running or or increasing their trail running over this last year or so so should be well received
0: yes all right let's get into it enjoy this episode with hillary spires All right, hello, hello. I'm Molly Herford. I've been trail running for oh my gosh, probably like almost a decade now. Although honestly, my my original trail running was probably on rail trail. And over the years, I feel like I have I've learned a lot of things from like my first you know five k trail run to like a disastrous trail marathon to now like going out and just doing trail marathons for the heck of it. Uh, Yeah, so that's that's
2: me. How about you, Hillary? (laughs) That was so good. All I could think was. (laughs) You can definitely tell that it's 9 a.m. where Molly is and it's 6 a.m. here. And I'm like, oh, my God, I need to catch up on energy. Uh, I'm Hillary. I have been trail running for I have no idea how long. But running since I was a kid, I loved it always. And did a trail race as like an attempt to do all 8,000 sports in the world. But I loved it so much I just never did anything else. Um, And now I'm just engrossed in the community, obsessed, and want to run races and there are not in Canada and that's a bummer and I think things are not any better over in Ontario so we are jealous of you um in the US. That's yes, I
0: know. I know. Isn't it? Isn't it nuts right now? You're you're hearing about all of these trail runs that are happening in the US and you're just like, "Oh, I have so much FOMO right now." It's it's awful. Oh. And
2: like, yes, the first summer I definitely was like, "Oh, you learn to like run because you love it and do FKTs and all these fun things, but just the community aspect of like seeing people at a race and push to their limits that you just don't get, um, on your own. I'm kind of missing for sure.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah. No, it's funny. I was just talking to a friend last week who I had like met at a race two years ago and I was like, Oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in two years now. And we we're just like, it's, it's bananas. And she's been out to Arizona racing and like all this stuff. And I'm just like, up here stuck. But you know what? I actually, I'll be honest, I think in this past year I've realized I'm actually pretty okay without racing, but you're right. I miss the community and like the hangouts of people for sure.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know if you've done any FKTs or anything, but like, I do like a hard effort and the cool thing. Well, actually, yeah, I was on your podcast with Katie. I was going to say, we've talked FKTs with you before. Yeah. And what I realized was that like in a race, you push because you're in a race But running with Katie, who is faster than I am, like I would never run 80K at that like edge of my limit before out of like fear of blowing up or just like, it's really hard. Um, Mm -hmm. But when it's instead of just being competitive and I'm super competitive, but like, I don't want to let my friend down seems to be more of a motivation, um, than anything. So it was like cool to find this other realm of like how to push as well. But anyways, that's a random tangent.
0: No, I love it. I love it. And so our, our goal for today was to sort of talk about our, our few, uh, trips, uh, tips for trail running, uh, that we sort of wish we had known when we first got started. So we've, we've made this list and now we're just going to kind of, I guess, run through them and sort of talk about some of the the terrible things that have happened to us over the years and how you can avoid our mistakes.
2: <laughs> yes. And I love this so much. And this was Molly's idea because Tor- Tori and I get questions for our episode also called trail tips. Um, but they're very, very specific. And I always have wanted to do like a recap of the, basically the top 10 tips that we have that, like you said, before you get going, because there's a lot of people who want to know how to start trail running, whether they're coming from road or just the first time ever. So uh- do- do you want to start with our very first tip?
0: Yes, because it is my favorite. (laughs) So I'll
2: (laughs) I'll lead that one
0: off. And that one is ABS, which is always bring snacks. So trail running, unlike road running, you know, you could have a a 10K trail run that could easily take you two hours, just depending on the terrain, depending on, you know, how muddy it is, how hilly it is, all that kind of stuff. Or, I mean, honestly, stuff happens, uh, you know, in a way that you can usually call for backup and get a pickup on the road if you're if you're bonking hard. But if you're on the trail, that's not necessarily the case. So I'm a fan of always stashing snacks uh, on me, no matter no matter how long or short you think you're going out for. Bring a little more than you think you need. If you are like planning to go for a longer one, you know, pack for like an extra hour's worth, which is just like a gel or two. It's not you know it's not a huge amount, just just so you have it, and definitely water. Always have water. Uh, I don't know about you, Hillary, but I've been out on some burly runs where suddenly I'm like, "Oh dear, I I should have brought a lot more than I that I brought."
2: Yes, on both of those. So I actually have. Well, most people's vests have like weird little pockets in the front. And I think they're probably for like really safe stuff, like your car key or whatever. That's where I keep my emergency gel. So it like goes through the wash with my pack and it never leaves. So it just lives there and it is never not there. Um, And then the water. Yeah. So I have a um, filter flask, which is also a good uh, tip for people. You can just get one on Amazon so that you can drink out of kind of like any Creek but when you get to late summer, those creeks dry up. So, yeah, be prepared. And I have had a race, actually, pre-COVID time, where I ran so out of water and I was so thirsty. I was trying to, like, drink the sweat from my arm. Like, oh, no. When you just want anything. And then, finally, there was some spectators. And I was like, do you guys have any water? And this guy was like, no, but I have some beer. And, like, so we had been, obviously, way out in the mountain by ourselves for, like, Hours and then finally got to close enough where people came off this tram and could hike in. And some guys, like, no, but I have a beer, and I was like, that'll work. And just I'll like, I'll take it, <laughs> make the rest of beer. And it oh,
0: didn't yeah. feel
2: good, I'll tell you that much. But yeah, definitely Amazing. do not make that mistake.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And yes, I, I love the the filter thing. It sounds it sounds so extreme if you're, you know, just kind of thinking about casual trail running. But I think, you know, we're we're also talking about like being able to build up slowly to these longer distances. And I mean, honestly, even if you're going for like a super chill hike, it's not a bad idea to just have this stuff with you and and be prepared. Maybe it's like the Girl Scout in me, or Girl Guide, I guess, for the Canadian audience, but like the always be prepared has been drilled into my head since
2: I was like six. So Yes, yeah. totally. And I mean, <laughs> if like, especially in Canada, you're probably going out, not into like a park, but just some pretty rugged terrain. So yeah, we, if you haven't watched North Shore Rescue and you're from this side of the country, even if you're not, it's a really good show. It's on the education network or that's not um, the right word. Um, some that's sort of learning network, but it is like, it shows how easy it is to get lost on like a very minimal trail run and how you want these supplies. Yes. Awesome.
0: Okay. Tip number two, you lead this one off because you're the one who came up with this brilliant point.
2: (laughs) Okay. So like you just said, you could be going out for a short run that actually takes you two hours. And I find the biggest thing that people do is try to compare their trail times to their road times. So they're like, oh yeah, I ran a 50 minute 10 K. So I'm going out into the trails for 10 K. It'll probably take around the same time. It's not. (laughs) it depends on the, (laughs) yeah, it depends on the terrain. It depends on the elevation. Um, and you added in the point, like it depends on that day's condition. So even if the elevation isn't that high, you might still have like a couple of creeks to to pass. It might be really, really technical single track and then have like rocks, roots, all sorts of things. And I find, there's almost no way to explain it to somebody. I even have an athlete who I'm coaching to their first Ironman and they, were just looking at my Strava and they haven't really run trails ever before and sometimes the end result of like a 30k run is like an eight or a nine minute kilometer because it had 1500 meters or Mm -hmm. 5,000 feet of elevation or something and he was like oh you must be injured and I was like (laughs) no ouch because it's not like a 430 pace is because it's in the freaking mountains. So I was like, "Listen, I have to take you. The only thing I can do is show you what like what this means." And he's like, "Oh, there's like a lot of hiking and like sliding on your butt." I'm like, "Yeah, it's a very different game." So, yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Throw out throw out your expectations for pace for sure. And I mean, honestly, it's also just not going to be like it's not going to be an eight minute pace or a nine minute pace. It's going to be like a five minute pace for the first kilometer. And then like a nine minute pace and then like a 13 minute pace somehow. And then you might hit a downhill and you're going to get like that four and a half and it's going to be amazing. But like, you're just, you can't expect
2: the steady pace for the entire time. That's a very good point. And there's like no, there's no point in doing that. Like, Go say, if you want to run for an hour, then run for an hour don't look at how far you're going. Or mm-hmm. if you want to run 10K, then just plan for a long day and make it fun. But yeah, don't worry about pace per kilometer. That's a really good point.
0: Yeah. I try really, I definitely focus much more on like perceived exertion than anything else on the trails To totally. try to like maintain that. I mean, you could do heart rate if you're more of like a, a numbers person, but definitely do not look at pace. That'll just disappoint you so much. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, actually, you know, as a, as a mom who has a bunch of other responsibilities, you know, for you, it's, it, it really is important to remember that like the 10 K might not be 50 minutes. It's, you probably need to plan for it to be much longer because otherwise you're sprinting home and you're miserable and now every, you know, everything's behind and you're late and now you feel bad and it's a whole thing.
2: Yeah. Actually, that's a really good point too. It's totally not just about performance. Like you're right. There's been, even knowing that there has been, more than one occasion where I've texted my husband and been like, I'm so sorry. I'm going to be way later. And you don't want that feeling of stress or being rushed. And whether that be to get back to your kids or your dog or your friends or somebody that you said, if I'm not back at this time, then send a search party. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So we're talking about these because I, in a way that sounds like kind of competitive or to improve all the time. But like, that's just the nature of Molly and I think, I I think too. And that these points are also just like how to keep it fun. Mm -hmm. Just just a side note.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like if if you can make it less stressful by not stressing about your pace, that's going to make it much more fun. So (laughs) we come from it from like a competitive side, but it's also with this idea of enjoying it. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Um, And on that note, our, our next one is, and this is a tough one for me, but ditching the earbuds for trail runs and races or if you like need that that stimulation you know I definitely listen to podcasts on some of my longer ones I will run with just one ear in so I can hear what's happening around me
2: yeah and so this one I just thought was like interesting in that it was really tough for me too. And at first I got like mad at trail races because I was like, this is how you get through races. And like the sound of music does pump me up. And I a hundred percent, if I have like a five hour run by myself, will listen to some music as well. But usually in places where I know that it, I'm not going to have a biker kind of sneak up behind me or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's good to just kind of be aware of, because what I find when people are coming to the trails for the first time is that like, it's just a huge shock to not have, something in your ears and making that transition is really difficult. Um, did you find Definitely. that
0: oh, at my, all? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I was even actually saying to to my husband, it's funny. I remember when I first got into running, I always ran with an iPod and I had like a, you know, playlist and I listened to music. And now I'm like, some of the time I'm like, I can't even get up the the energy to go out for a run without podcasts. Even music seems boring. And I was like, oh no, I need to really get back to not listening to anything. Because I've gone so far down the road of like, I need all of this extra stimulation and thoughts and stuff. And I like, like, oh no, can I no longer be alone with my own thoughts? That's not good.
2: Oh yeah. That's such a good point too. Because I still like, if I have a local road run to do, I'm like panicking if I don't have music or podcasts or something For in the trails, I find it easier, but on roads, I still like can't do it. So maybe that's a good challenge too, to just in general, just see if I can even have thoughts that are yeah. <laughs> okay to
0: be with. Thoughts. Exactly. Yeah. And there's actually a great book, um, Mindful Running by Mackenzie Havie, that sort of talks about using your, your runtime almost as that moving meditation. And I'm like, oh, right, I should get back to that. That's a that's a positive. And I mean, on the trails, the best time to do that, right? Like you can be so attuned with what's happening and, you know, listening for squirrels and you know bears in your neck of the woods and-,
2: and and what noise does a squirrel make it's
0: a little like skittering like up the tree. I don't know my dog alerts me when they're ha- when that's happening
2: fair fair <laughs> um, and I actually ran like I would have thought that there's no way that I could run fast without it but I ran my 10k pb with Katie and I, she drove out here to run it with me and I wasn't going to be like oh yeah, run beside me and I'm going to listen to music. And it was, so I didn't, and we made it through. So that was kind of cool too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually maybe that's it because we haven't had races in like two years now. Um, it's harder and harder to run without them because I'm, I'm used to putting in headphones for training, like some of my training stuff, but I would never obviously race with headphones. Like most races don't even allow it.
2: So you have to get used to it. And that's where I came up with this point. Actually, I should have made that more clear at the beginning is that in trail races, because of the safety aspect, they don't let you. And that like, you don't want to get to a race having ran with music your entire life. And then someone be like, oh, you can't have that here and go have like this additional stress and panic um, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah,
0: <laughs> definitely. Although I usually try to figure out like one or two songs that are going to get stuck in my head for the the rest of the run and just roll with that. Totally. It's yes. Usually like the worst songs ever, but okay. it gets
2: you through. Just going to say, unfortunately, recently it's like Wheels on the Bus. Oh no!
0: Yeah. Oh no! That's going to be in my head. It's going to be in everyone who just listened to this. Oh, we <laughs> apologize. <laughs>
2: if they have a toddler, it's already in their mind. Fair,
0: fair. Um, a note of toddlers, our next tip is actually a good segue. That was amazing.
2: (laughs) I will, I'll let you do this one since you're. Okay. (laughs) So this, yeah, like this is amazing. It's called Panatine, I think. So I have to be careful because I said this before and I kept saying Panatine, with just shampoo. So do not put shampoo as shaving cream. It's, Panatine. Maybe I'll link to it in the show notes. It comes in this little blue container. It is freaking amazing. So I don't know if you get the, like the under bra chafing, but I used to have to do like KT tape and then wax over top um, and this whole rigmarole to not basically look like I got attacked by a cougar and be bleeding everywhere. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, like it was bad. And I I know other people have had that same issue. Like Tori's got so many scars. Um, And then just a few other random places, like everybody's got these weird chafey spots. 100%, yeah. So I just realized how fast the diaper cream worked on my kid and was like, I wonder if I just use a little bit of this. And it is amazing. Like it stays on the whole way. I don't have to reapply. Yes, it's white. That's kind of annoying. But other than that, there's no chafing it is totally smooth. I don't have to rip KT tape off after and I don't even need that much. Um, and it has been just the hugest game changer of my life. So if you have a problem area that like is really painful or even has um, like chafing on it already and then you have to go out for another run, which is almost kind of the worst thing, This mm-hmm. you don't have to put tape on that. This is like a nice, soft kind of healing thing that you can put on your chafing spots and it is absolutely magical. So that is my, I should really be sponsored by them. I'm not obsessed.
0: I love it. I love it. And yeah, I mean, I have, I have the same thing. I have like underarm, I have like inner thigh issues. And I mean, I will, I will also say like, this is not a like, only a certain body type has chafing issues. This is every single runner I know, like no matter how tiny, how, how large, like everyone has that one spot that is just going to rub. Yeah, so. that,
2: the <laughs> underarm is super weird. It happens right. to me at the beginning of the year when I first start wearing tank tops. Yep. And yep. I think it's like rubbing against the material of the tank top on that skin. I, it must get so sensitive during the winter and then it's fine by end of summer, but the beginning is just terrible.
0: Yeah. And I have the same thing when I shift from leggings to shorts, like same exact, like first couple weeks. So just awful. And so I actually use, um, chamois butter makes a chafe stick. So it basically looks like a deodorant stick and then just put that right on and super, like similar to yours, super easy, just no nonsense. This one is clear, which is really nice. So if you're putting it on your like thighs and you know, you're putting it where like you don't have shorts, you don't have like random white mark on your <laughs> legs, which is a plus, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's been a, a game changer, and it, the game changer was actually admitting that I had issues with chafing because I I felt like it was just like no I can't have chafing issues like because well,
2: you're so small so you actually get it on your thighs too which surprises yeah. me
0: yeah I'm a tiny person and like I'll, like I'll I'll say it like my thighs don't actually touch if I like put my legs together but when I run they still do and like the inside of my shorts still brushes on my skin and when you're brushing on your skin for five hours or four hours or whatever yeah it's gonna
2: chafe <laughs> mine like mine always have touched I have like big strong thighs but it never chafed before um, and then when I had a kid it's like changed where my like chub sits and now it chafes every time i me crazy.
0: Yes. So we're normalizing chafing here. It is yes. a human
2: thing. <laughs> it is just a thing. And especially this time of year when you're like, I feel like I sweat more salt right now when my body's still adjusting to the temperature change and then mm-hmm. things like even out at the end. But yeah, I would agree with that for sure. And that's also people are like, oh, uh, can I just run a 50k or a 50 mile? And I'm like, no, you have to like build up your skin. This is the stuff that I mean. It's like, there, it's not just fitness. There are so many things that can go wrong.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's like not even mentioning the skin on your feet. That's a whole other like woof ball game.
2: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, actually, I don't know if we have anywhere
0: else. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about feet stuff anywhere else. We should talk
2: about that real quick. So a huge thing is like, yeah, your feet will probably break down before your body does if you are a good long road runner and think that you can just switch over to the Trails because they're going to get wet and there's different types of running, um, or sorry, rubbing when you're going downhill. And the blisters are a real thing and you have to build up those calluses.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Your feet will pretty much always be wet on trail runs, is what I've, I've sort of come to realize and accept. In the first few times it's going to be rough. Expect, you know, you're probably going to get blisters. You're probably going to have a black toenail or two. Your feet will get stronger though. Yes. Yeah. There is light at the end of the tunnel.
2: Totally. I think the important message is just like you have this very simple reminder on your body that you need to build up slowly or you're not going to have a fun long day out there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And definitely when you're done with a run, if you are at like a trailhead or something, like get your shoes off and like let your feet breathe. Yes. Don't go home in your wet shoes. Just, oh, God. <laughs> it's, it's like what I say to cyclists where I'm like, if you finish a mountain bike ride and you're driving home, take off your bike shorts. Don't like sit in your sweaty bike shorts. Same thing for your your wet shoes on the trail. Just, just let your feet air out a little bit. They're very pruney and very sad.
2: <laughs> very sad. I'm like the queen of just after the run, I just get naked in the parking lot. And 100%. I stopped, yep. stopped <laughs> many minds. We all look the same. I want to be in dry clothes. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And usually I like to start really early um, and then I will wear my pajamas to the trailhead and then change, go for my run because I'm too lazy to get out of them in the morning when I'm cold. And then after the run, I only have my pajamas to put back on and then I'll like go into a store to get a smoothie and I'm like, I'm such a bum. I'm covered in dirt in my pajamas.
0: (laughs) I know. I know. There's a bakery that I stop at at the end of my long runs and I'm just like, oh my gosh, they must think I'm like... (laughs) just the <laughs> grossest person. I want to apologize to them. <laughs> On the off chance anyone from the Heavenly Cafe in Collingwood is listening, very sorry for showing up gross every time.
2: Or yesterday I drove my car and was like, something is dead in here and then realized that it's just that my oh. shoes were in the car and it's hot out so. <laughs> oh
0: no. Yep, <laughs> nope, just me. Yeah. There's <laughs> nice nice smells. We're just taking a quick break from today's episode to talk to you about Inside Tracker so you want to take charge of your health and wellness that's why you're here you're trying to do all the right things for your body to get more energy better sleep and a healthy immune system and you probably want to improve your performance and of course live a healthy adventurous life for a long time
1: but it's confusing out there there's so much information and misinformation and what works for someone else might not work for you you want a clear picture of what your body looks like on the inside a clear measure of whether your diet and exercise choices are helping or hurting, and a clear idea of who and what to trust when it comes to health, wellness, and performance guidance.
0: Founded in 2009, Inside Tracker is the ultra-personalized performance system that analyzes data from your blood, DNA, and fitness tracker to help you optimize your body and reach your health and wellness goals.
1: The recommendations that come from the analysis are ultra-personalized, and you can choose the ones that are most compatible with your lifestyle. Each recommendation is directly linked to a peer-reviewed scientific publication.
0: And Inside Tracker doesn't just show the normal biomarker zones; they show you the optimal biomarker zones and numbers that are best for your body. And now, for a limited time, you can get twenty-five percent off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com/consummate. That is insidetracker.com/consummate. All right, now back
2: to the episode. Okay, number five is a great tip, and that one's yours. Do so you want to elaborate on that one?
0: Yeah, yeah. So going hands-free, especially when you're on any kind of trail that's that's a little more technical, anything that's going to have rocks and roots and stuff. I mean, it, it's not to say that every every run is going to end with you falling, but I think we can normalize the fact that, you know, as you get tired, your feet don't maybe come up as high, and maybe you trip a little bit. And if you're holding your water or you're holding your phone, especially your phone, like, it's going to go flying, um, not to mention, you can't brace yourself, like you can't, you know, brace for impact or like grab a tree to stop yourself or any of those things if your hands are full. So I'm, I'm someone who really doesn't love having to wear a pack for every run. But at this point, every trail run I do, I will wear a pack just so I don't have to hold my phone, just so I don't have to hold a bottle of water. And it's made a huge difference, even just like in your balance and stuff. If you're not worried about hanging to your phone, you are much more able to like, you can't see me doing it, but I'm like moving my arms around. You have a better, you know, way to balance and way to sort of like move your body around on the trail when you're unencumbered by stuff
2: in your hands. You know, what's so funny is that I was just going to say that and it, I, it didn't like, I'm not a great downhill runner. And I definitely noticed that if I have something in my hand and that's why like I have people that run with handhelds and I'm like, how do you guys do this? Um, I will run slower because it throws my whole like proprioception off. It's so bizarre. hmm So a hundred percent, like if I'm running downhill and I don't, I like tuck everything into my bra um, because (laughs) even, even sometimes with gloves on, it takes me a second to be like, Oh, this is weird. Like I have to get used to wearing gloves again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's so bizarre. Um, And it, it got better, but it definitely like hindered me for sure. And if I was going out for like a effort that I cared about. I would always have a pack, even if it's like 5K, and be like, sorry, I'm just not carrying my car key, some food, water, and my phone for emergencies in my hand, like 100%. I guess you could have a vest or a belt in that situation. But
0: Yeah, exactly. I actually have a really good vest. It's a cycling vest from Velocio, but it has a zipper pocket in the back that actually fits a phone perfectly. So I've been running in that, even though it's getting much warmer out and the vest is total overkill. I keep going out because I'm like, ah, I don't feel like wearing a pack. I'll just throw on the vest and I'm like sweating to death, but at least my hands are free. So
2: I've got that going for me. (laughs) Um, So number six is a great tip as well, but it's also yours. So why don't you go ahead and take that one too. And then I'll talk about number seven. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So number six is just scanning the trail
0: ahead. So when you first start running, I think the tendency, especially on, again, super technical trails is to kind of keep looking down directly in front of you. And what you really want to be doing is looking down in front of you because obviously that matters, but you also want to be looking up ahead on the trail and sort of seeing what's coming up. So it takes, a, it does take a while to sort of become good at trail scanning where you can kind of keep an eye on what's right in front of you, but you're also looking like 20 feet ahead of you, a few meters ahead of you. Um, but just kind of that constant, like up and down, you don't, your head should not be bobbing up and down, but your eyes should be going sort of up and down. And it's just much, much easier to kind of like anticipate the stuff that's coming up. If all you're doing is just looking directly under you, you're going to kind of start running into stuff basically. Um, so it's a weird, it's a weird one to kind of figure out and it's, it's a hard one to learn without just going out and doing a lot of trails, but it will help if you can keep that in mind.
2: Yeah. And they say that about downhill running a lot too, which I've noticed and I'm sure oh, other people yeah. have like, because by the time you get to that part of the trail, then your brain has processed it and knows what to do, but we don't process as fast as we are. Like, if, like you said, looking right underneath of us. So yeah, that's, you can totally practice that ability to look ahead on the flats too.
0: Mm-hmm, 100%. Um,
2: and speaking of like really techie spots, so mm-hmm. it's okay to walk techie spots and also to walk hills it's so funny when people say or post they're like i'm gonna run a trail half marathon but i had to i'm gonna to have to walk so am i cheating or like i didn't really do an ultra because i walked part of it
1: walk- <laughs> walking is
2: part of it like you can power hike which is technically a walk up a hill with less energy than you probably can run some of these things Yes.
0: Yeah, we I've actually done this with my friend because she she lives right at the base of a very steep section of trail. And we've tried like running up it versus walking up it. And I will tell you walking is actually faster than than trying to run and you get to the top much less tired. So
2: yeah, power hiking,
0: totally fine. Walking, totally fine.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And even if you just want to walk because you feel like walking like this is not a sport. That's going to judge you or say that you're not a real jogger. Um, Yeah. You know, like you can do walk, run intervals. You can do whatever you want. Like it, it doesn't have that same, I guess, judgment that if you walked half of a marathon, somebody you would feel. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to articulate, but you guys know what we mean.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, that comes back to that pace too, right? Like the, you're just not going to run a steady pace for an entire trail thing. So honestly, no one's going to even know where you walked and where you were running for a lot of it anyway.
2: The other day, like we just had this good conversation going. And for some reason we went down to this like super runnable downhill and we just started walking, talking for a second until we saw another group of our friends running up the hill and we were like, oh God, we are walking down the easy run of (laughs) the downhill and these people are running up. We need to get it together here. But you would never know. Looked like a solid run. Exactly. Exactly. Because it was a solid run. It was. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I certainly felt like it after I had to eat everything that I could see.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Oh, maybe that's like a good quick note is
0: that uh, I do think trail running is a more full body activity maybe than like... Road running. So, honestly, you can expect to be hungrier at the end of a trail run, especially if you're going like a 10K trail run versus a 10K road run. Like, it's going to take longer in general. But you're also like, you are shifting your, you know, you're shifting more, you're using more core, your arms are probably doing more work. So, it's not shocking if you feel hungrier at the end of that than you would at the end of a 10K road run.
2: Yes, that's a really good point as well. Again, back to my Ironman athlete was like, oh, like, this many kilometers per week, I think I'm running like 80 or 90. He's like, should you be that tired? Yes, because 30k takes five and a half hours with that much elevation, not like a nice easy under three hours on the road. So yeah, way hungrier, way more strength, way more work. So yeah, allow yourself to refuel after for sure. 100%. I like the next one too, because it goes a bit into how to do some technical uphills and technical downhills and my technical downhill running sucks. So what are your tips for shifting gears?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I like to think about, and I should also say, I actually am terrible. Like I can't really drive standards. So this is a weird tip for me to give. Um, But I actually think about shifting gears as I'm going uphill and shifting gears as I'm going downhill. Uh, Sort of just like in my body, I kind of like I'll downshift when I'm going down a hill. And by that, I mean, I'm basically almost like sitting back a little more. So I'm sort of leaning back a tiny bit more, shifting my my center of gravity, just just like a degree or two. We're not talking, I'm not like slumping back or anything, but just sort of thinking about, yeah, downshifting into that and like letting my stride, start, like letting my feet sort of just like fall naturally instead of trying to be like super controlled on it. Um, so that's that's when I'm going downhill. And then when I'm going uphill, I'll actually do sort of the opposite. So I'll like shift up. So I'm actually almost shifting. So I'm a little more forward. So you're sort of leaning forward a little bit more and sort of leaning into the hill. Uh, almost like when you're, you know, when you're a kid and you climb stairs almost by like putting your hands on the stairs that are like
2: in front of you. Yes, 100%. I definitely climb mountains like that now.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like that's basically what I'm thinking. Even if I'm not actually putting my hands onto the ground, I'm basically like, acting like I'm about to. Yeah,
2: yeah, you're just using gravity to your advantage. And I, I really like that because it's such an easy mental cue to just think about um, how your body should be relative to the ground.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, with with downhill running, I think the more relaxed you can be, the better off you're going to be. And it's, it's a hard thing to learn because, I mean, you're basically letting your body go, like the more you can let your body just kind of go out of control, the easier it's going to be. But that's also like super hard to do. Uh, So don't, you know, don't feel bad if you're not like amazing at just flowing down the hill. A lot of like, you know, people spend years kind of perfecting that. And if you come from like a mountain biking background, sometimes I think it's a little easier to kind of get that sense because you you know how to go downhill on
2: a mountain bike. So it translates pretty
0: well. Totally. Um, I've
2: heard other people say that as well, actually. And I like to ski really, really fast. Um, and I have found when I'm thinking about skiing and I naturally kind of just let my body fall down the mountain, mm-hmm. it's softer and smoother. But when I think like I visualize snow on the ground, if I'm running down a super steep section, like working on running downhill, and it just becomes so much simpler instead of like overthinking where you would technically want to step. And like you said, it's kind of just this like controlled falling.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's even where like the sitting back can be kind of helpful, because if you think about like, if you fall, and it, or if you stumble, but you're kind of like in the backseat, almost, you're more inclined to just like, fall on your butt versus like fall forward. So it's, it's less of an issue. (laughs) So I think that kind of helps mentally. And And then just,
2: just like pick small, um, small portions. Like, so I run with Katie a lot and she's like the best downhill runner ever. So that's why I always feel like I need to get faster and faster at this. So I'll just pick like short sections and be like, okay, my goal is just like 30 seconds of being so outside of my comfort zone that I'm like, Scared shitless. <laughs> then I can stop and it's just 30 seconds, but like that just slowly bit by bit increases your comfort zone until it's bigger.
0: Yes, yes. I love that.
2: Um, okay. I like this next one. If you are going to an unknown area, have a map. Yes, yes, it sounds yes. so simple, but even knowing where I'm going, you can get turned around, it can get dark, like safety has to be a requirement.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I have my phone and it's like, yes, but do you have the map downloaded onto your phone? And a lot of the apps that have like trail maps on them, like trail forks or all trails or any of those, I think you can actually definitely with trail forks, you can download like the chunks of map and, you know, Garmin's the same. You can download a chunk of the map onto your Garmin, Um, So you want to have that downloaded. You don't want to rely on your phone having data because when you're, you know, out in the middle of the woods, you might not have data. So we really want to make sure that if you need it, you can pull it up or you have it printed out so you can see where you're at.
2: Yes, 100%. So I have this example of like, there's this local mountain that I run on all the time. I know the trails like the back of my hand. And my husband and I went up in November and it started to get dark and we realized that it was going to be way too dark to get to the one peak that we wanted to, um, safely with what we had on us so that we would, t- we turned around early. Um, and it was kind of like a loop course. One of our headlamps went out. So we were like, okay, so we've got one headlamp. We know this easy trail that we're going to go down, but we took the wrong trail without realizing, cause it was so dark. Neither of us had the maps like pre-downloaded again, because this is like, I could draw it out for you freehand. Um, and so we're like, okay, let's open Strava. We each had like a couple of bars and then at least we can, see that little blue dot like which direction we're heading and we'll know which way to go Mm -hmm. we ran the same trail together right beside each other both pulled out our Strava after probably three or four minutes his blue dot went one way and mine went the other way so we were like "Uh oh (laughs) shit um so we literally just had to. I was like okay well obviously we want to go down the mountain but we know we're going to run into this creek so we just like bushwhacked down until we got And it was fucking scary on like a a very normal route that I would do anytime. Um, And it is so simple. Like you can't fuck around with mountains.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like you have to treat that with respect a hundred percent.
2: Yeah. It's definitely easier to screw up. Like, Have you ever had any close calls that were like life-threatening?
0: I'm trying to think, I don't, I wouldn't say life threatening. I would say like in the moment we're like very scary and in retrospect, we're like not as dire as I like made them, but yeah, definitely have had a few like, Oh boy, it's getting dark or, Oh, it's getting cold. And like, we're not prepared to be out all night if if this like worst comes to worst. Um, Yeah. yeah.
2: I had one where like we went up a trail that we know um, and we took a different route to kind of cut up onto the top of the House Sound Crest Trail, which is like some big giant mountains. Um, and the trail kind of forked at one point and Andy went one way and I went the other. And you know, when there's like a trail that looks like it's been walked on, but maybe not that much. And there's kind of bushes on, on it, like overgrowing onto it. Mm-hmm. There was one like this and I was walking along and then it just stopped. And it was like hundreds of feet of a, the edge of a cliff. So <laughs> I like grabbed onto the bushes beside me and like my whole body went numb and just like slowly stepped back, probably like a foot from the edge. And he looked over because he came around the edge and like see saw where I went down. And we didn't talk to each other for like an hour, where I was just <laughs> going through my head like that was almost it. And he was like going through his head, like, okay, so he'd call North Shore Rescue, then he'd try to get down there, but there'd be nowhere I'd survive. So like, how would he tell my mom? And like, what would we tell the kid later? Like yeah. it was so freaky. And I mean, that's just kind of like a freak thing too, where like you just have to be careful. But I guess the tip there is like, if I had been looking at my phone or be doing something dumb, like I wouldn't have known that that trail ended. It was crazy.
0: And that gets into the scanning the
2: trail ahead, not just looking down at your feet. Yeah. yeah, hundred percent. Like you just never know. And I don't say that to scare people. I think there's millions and millions and millions of safe trails to get started. But like, even when you feel pretty confident, um, I think you can't forget these things.
0: Definitely, definitely.
2: Always be aware, for sure. Always have snacks and always be aware.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and of course, our our last major tip here is—it sounds kind of almost counter to what we just said, but have fun because it's seriously, <laughs> <laughs> like you might die. <laughs> no seriously, it's it's so much more fun, and I, I'm going to say safer than road running in a lot of ways. And I think it's, it's just such a great way to spend time out in nature and, you know, make your, make your running and your workout much more of like a, a mental uh, reset, mental calming kind of thing. And it's just, it's just so much darn fun.
2: Yes, hundred percent. And I realized that, yeah, we took a pretty intense turn there, but like <laughs> that is so, it's very rare for that to happen, but for the most part. I think too, people need to be less intimidated. So yes, have fun because there's a lot of beginners out there. And I know it seems like Instagram, everybody is like this fabulous trail runner who ever runs in the trails and they have $500 gear all over their body and they're sponsored by Salmon and Brooks, but that's not the truth. The -hmm. truth is that there are millions types of body shapes, personalities, skill levels, and they're all just out there enjoying the trails and it's, can be way simpler than we make it. I don't know why it has this perception to be so intimidating because it's not.
0: Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I will say actually to your point about Instagram, uh, every run that I feel like I see on Instagram, it's always like that really wide stance, like leaping kind of thing on the trails for some reason. Um, like every runner is like doing this like huge, like stride. (laughs) And I just want to point out that like, That's not actually how most runners are running 99.9% of the time. That was for the camera, 100%. (laughs) Yeah, so do not feel like you need to leap like a gazelle. (laughs) You're allowed to have a more efficient small stride. So. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yes. There's, there's very little leaping and people are flying far less than the Instagram setup run or photo that you see.
0: Yeah. Even though I've totally <laughs> taken that one before. Oh yeah. <laughs> we, we <don't> have.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, You still have to pretend that you can do it, but just the secret. Well, just telling you the secrets is that's not real.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. So I think that, that wraps up our tips. Any, any last ones to,
2: to add here? No, I think the biggest thing is just to enjoy it, start small. And like, if you want to just go for a fast walk first on the route that you want to run and test out and then go for a jog, like that's a totally fair way to start. Um, And yeah, do you have any other tips you want to wrap up? And I also want to know, do you have any big goals coming this summer?
0: Oh yeah, good good question. Um, no, I mean I think we pretty much covered all of my my top tips as far as big goals go. I have a couple thoughts for like an FKT situation, but actually I'm doing my ugh, first ever attempt at a 100k coming up in a couple weeks here, so I'm getting a little nervous for
2: that. Oh, amazing! Uh, but... You're gonna you're gonna crush it. You're gonna love it. 100k is a super fun distance.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about it. That should be a fun long day, and I'm. I'll be honest, I'm actually more looking forward to like the week off after it, where I'm allowed to just like keep eating and just like completely chill. Yes. Uh, so that's going to be pretty sweet. So yeah,
2: that's, that's my, my next big goal. What about you? Yeah, I, we also, the FKT we want to do is hundred K as well. Um, it is the most unrunnable hundred K ever. <laughs> I love it. current record right now is 16 hours and 47 minutes. That's how non-rentable it is. Oh, amazing. That's yes. going to be a good one. Then it's going to be super fun. Yeah. So more details on that when we get closer, but it will be a lot of me trying to go fast on technical terrain, which is like not my strong suit. So it's a totally weird goal to have, but Hey, got to get out of your comfort zone. Right? Yes. Fantastic. Well, um, um are you going to post all about your hundred K? I'm stoked to follow along.
0: I am. Yes, of course. I can't, Why else would I do a run (laughs) if not to to post about it or talk about it at least? Um, I haven't actually been on Strava for almost a year now, which is like a whole
2: other podcast episode. Oh my Um, God. That's the next one we should do is the implications of social media and Strava on running.
0: I think that would actually be an amazing one. We should yes, make that happen. Totally. So if anyone wants to hear
2: that, uh, definitely hit us up. Um, we're um, I'm
0: over at the Consummate Athlete Podcast and at Molly J. Herford on Instagram. And Hillary, what's? Uh,
2: yeah, Trail Running Women Podcast. And you can find me on Instagram at Hillsport55. And yeah, if you guys have any opinions, thoughts on Strava and how it's affected you, let's compile some, uh, some comments. So send them in. DM us. We'll start a sheet and we'll talk about it amazing awesome hillary this is so much fun i yes. loved doing this as always it's so great to chat with you and thank you for giving me some early morning energy and have a fabulous week thanks so much for tuning into the consummate athlete
0: podcast if you enjoyed this or any of our past episodes do us a solid and leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts and check out our book becoming a consummate athlete over at consummateathlete.com questions or comments find us over on instagram at consummate athlete and we will see you next week